Hi guys, I'm André Villas Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, future is lily white. Come on, you Spurs. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, season 11, episode 14. I'm Jack. I'm Chris. I'm ASD. And the Conte reign is under full swing at the moment, isn't it? Well, another victory in the league, a clean sheet. It's like everything's good again, right? I'm joking, it's only Norwich. Um, but a cracking result, right? 3-0 at home. Feel good factor seems to be sneaking back in at the moment. Um, what did you both make of the game and, and sort of the performance? ASD, do you want to go? Yeah, I mean, you know, four games, three wins, one draw, seven scored, one conceded in the Premier League. I think that's pretty good. Norwich, like, we we, we weren't the best. Like, we weren't at our best yesterday, and they really should have scored at least two goals. But, like, they're the games we were losing before. So I'm super happy with it. And you start to go, oh, actually, individual performances are back. He's experimenting with the team. We're seeing, like, it was interesting to see Tanganga. They overloaded on him, and he, they... Then Conte changed it after, like, we, we saw Reggie get changed after 25 minutes. I know that was an injury. Was it Cesc came on, did a decent job. Ben Davis, I've been saying it ever since. Ben Davis, a left centre-back, world-class-ish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I love him. Um, it's great. Sonny's great. I Kane still, like, do you know what I'm noticing about Kane in the last few games is that there's, char- you know, when he lines up to take a penalty, you always thought, never going to miss, never going to miss. There was so he's missing chances like that now, like that lob. He would have scored that with his eyes closed before. There's a few one on ones in the previous game. So that's a bit worrying, but Sonny's great. I'm just, it's just a very happy time. And I can't believe we are a game in our game in hand off fourth place. Like, how has that happened? Absolutely I think it just goes to show what the quality of the league is this season, frankly. But actually, oh, yeah. that's what's exciting. I'm not even quality, actually. It's like, Teams are playing each other and like weird things are happening, which is good. Look, I feel kind of hopeful. I think the most important thing watching the team yesterday is just that we look like we've been coached. (laughs) It looks like there's a plan. (laughs) Whatever the plan is, right? It looks like there's a plan. I'm worried about Harry Kane as well. Like you say, the lob, there was something else that went wide that you put a bet, you would have bet he'd be on target. You know, so I hope that whatever it is, you know, and, and players do go out of form. Let's not forget he's been playing, you know, he's been playing consistently for six years and he's never had a dip in form. He's had injuries, but he hasn't had a dip in form. So I think we have to forgive him that, you know, and I think it's I, I have to say I get really frustrated. He, you know, he tweeted about how delighted he was about the performance and some of the vitriol he got in response. It's like and I know they don't pay attention. I know they don't read the comments and all the rest of it, which I don't blame them. But it's just like, why would you do if you're actually if you really are a Spurs fan, why would you do that? Why do you want to have a go at him? You know? Um, but I was pleased, you know, pleased to see like I bet I sent just sent you a, a photograph of uh, Ben Davis holding a ballon d'or 
which is doing the rounds currently. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think, look, Ben, ben Davies and, and Eric Dyer are having a renaissance. Davinson Sanchez scored a goal with his feet. I mean, there are things happening that we wouldn't have dreamt of even two months ago. So, look, I'm, I'm really pleased to see it. I want to see us have an identity. I've got to say, I love watching Conte on the sidelines. I just I love it. I love I I I just I love expressiveness. And he's very expressive. And I don't think it's uh I don't think it's he's it's put on. I think that's how he he expresses himself. And I think he he's kicking every ball. And I'm really happy about that. You know, I want him to care about it. It's infectious it's, watching Conte on the sidelines. Yeah. Like uh, I was actually saying to Bloke sitting next to that. Compare him to Nuno, and we liked Nuno as a guy, didn't we? Yeah. Who would stand there, arms folded, like pretty emotionless throughout the game. As Conte, you can't not sprint after the ball if you're a player. Like you just, it is it, so infectious. Um, so I agree with you. He's so entertaining to watch. And what I love is ASD's he, pulling a face though. Well, I just, it's a bit like, is it his job to be emotional about it? And and then will the emotion then impact his decision making? It is the point, is the larger point there. I don't if you know if he's boss, emotional. I don't know if he's emotional or is more just intense. Expressive. Expressive. This is where my wife asked me the other day, what's the difference between an emotion and a feeling? And I was like, I don't know. Is there? And so my my emotional intelligence is not very high for myself. For other people, I'm good, but for myself, so maybe I'm not understanding it. I just there's a bit of me that doesn't like it. Um, but then it's it's two ends of the spectrum, isn't it? Someone who's got nothing in the system, then you go a bit like, well, does it not mean anything to you? Because we were all emotional. You inside. know what I think it might be as well for you, ASD, is that like you you're self motivated, right? You don't need someone to shout at you or tell you. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like you motivate yourself with stuff you do. As I think actually, a lot of people not really like that. A lot of people need, especially like the players we've got in our team, they need that person on the touchline to sort of be shouting yeah. and pointing and getting yeah, yeah. them going. And it's like. I get where you're coming from because it's like I sometimes look at players and think, how can you not be up for a game of football? But a lot of them, unfortunately, these days aren't. Yeah, yeah. Can I read a um, Conte quote on Mora? Have you seen this one? Where he said he scored an amazing goal, but he has the quality to score more goals. He needs to score more goals in the rest of the season. It is my expectation for him to score more goals before the end of the season. Yeah. And that's totally right. And that, that's what I love. It's, it's well, I was so- amazed it was his first, first league goal of the season, isn't it? We I didn't don't score like, many, did we? Like, you're playing in a front three, like you've got to be confident, especially you know, as, like with Kane's dipping goals as well at the minute. And just my thoughts on Kane: the last two games he's been brilliant. His all-round play, like his all-round play against Norwich was fantastic. He held the ball, he linked it, he was dropping in, like he was fantastic. And it was a performance that deserved at least one goal. Um, but at the minute, it's just that clinicalness of Kane not quite there and that like what you said those chances where you just bread and butter for him just not quite going the right side of the post at the minute but I'm happy because he's pressing he's running the what the efforts back and like his all-round performance is contributing again compared to the start of the season where we were just getting absolutely nothing so with a player like that the goals will come you know but he does he does need to get get going on it though because goals, it's like what has he got one league goal in 13 it's like do you know what I mean? It's a, it's poor, isn't it? it? It really is, especially for your talisman up front. So we need him to go on a run, especially like in this succession of games that we've got, because we are playing more opposition that's sort of bottom half. 
like now's your opportunity really to sort of get yourself going a little bit. Um, but his all round play, I, I thought was really good again. Do you think it was right to set up in the way that we did? Because it felt very defensive. It felt like we were trying to play on a break. I know they talked about this on match of the day, but why are we so deep? Um, it's it's an interesting one. I think the the three four three formation isn't necessarily a counter attack formation, but it's high intensity system, and it's a team all about pressing. And st- we're getting there with the pressing, but still at the moment we're not quite fit enough. We're we're, there's the odd player that's half a yard off the press, and when one of you's off of it, like the whole team's then got a drop. So I think that that's a part of it. And secondly, we haven't really got the players in central midfield to control the game of football. And I, I do think that that is a major problem. Like I look at that starting eleven um, against Norwich, which was what Hugo and Gold, Tanganga, Sanchez, Dyer, Davis, Reggie, Skip, Hoiberg, Kane, Son, Lucas Mora. There's only one player in that team that can play a 40, 50 yard pass yeah. like, and that's Kane and you want him at the higher end of the pitch, don't you? So yeah. I do think that he's still searching for that player that can bring that kind of control to a game. And I think, you know, we haven't got that player in the squad at the moment, unfortunately, that can yeah. play in the midfield too and, you know, control the tempo of the game. So that was 100% position that we're going to be looking to try and strengthen. Probably not going to happen in January because that calibre of player is going to, cost you a bit of money and you're not going to be able to get someone like that in January. So I do think partly that's the reason because Skip and Hoiberg in terms of in possession and not neither of them are the type of player, they can play a nice forward pass and, you know, but they're not a type of player that consistently are going to create you three, four chances a game. And I think that's where we're sort of lacking that, that bit of creativity. So he's, he's probably looked at it, Conte and thought, we'll just, have, we're going to have to be direct. When we get the ball back, we're just going to have to try and two or three passes create an opportunity because we haven't got the, the skill and the control to be able to actually have a bit of sustained possession, which is fine. And it seems to be working against the sides down the bottom um, who, let's be honest, we're all buzzing at the moment, right? Because we've had, a, we've, you know, we've beaten a few sides, but in the grand scheme of things, these are games of football that we should be winning. And don't forget, we did win a few, the, we won these type of games with Nuno. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? At the start of the season, we did actually pick up like, these wins against was it Watford, Wolves, somebody else I can't remember already, but, so it's like, I'm happy because, as Chris pointed out, we've got a style going again, but it was Norwich, do you know what I mean? And they were 18th, 19th, so I sort of expect us at home to win by a couple of goals. But it is a step in the right direction. Is there a midfielder that you want to talk about, Jack? Well, I mean, anybody that's been listening all season will <laughs> will know how much of a fan I am of Oliver Skip. And he's just, you know what, he's going from strength to strength. And the last couple of games against Norwich and against Brentford... He um he's been showing that actually he's got a little bit more to his game than just sort of sitting and protecting that defence. Like he can he can run with a ball, and it's sort of like I didn't really know that he had that kind of attribute. If I'm totally honest, his forward passing's been fantastic from the first game of the season. But it's been a few times the last couple of games he's got the ball 15, 20 yards. He's just run at the heart of their defence, and you think, oh hello, like I didn't know he had this this to his game. Um, he's a player, honestly. He could be 27, 28 years old and he could have 30 international caps. Like He is such a mature player. It is incredible. Um, we're not trying to... I don't want to get, as I said, too carried away because he did have that little dip a few games ago. But again, we, we discussed at the start of the season, every young player goes through a, a period where they have half a dozen games where they're not quite on it. And inevitably, it will happen again to him this season. Um, but for me, he's really dominating games against 
sides in the bottom half of the table. And I know you can be like, oh, we're Tottenham, we should be dominating those games. But this is a young lad, it's his first year in the Premier League. And it's like, you know, the, the real test will come in a few weeks when we have Liverpool, do you know what I mean? And he's playing against, you know, Henderson and Fabinho and these like, you know, real top players. And you expect him to struggle in those games. But for me, a, a 20, 21 year old in the team for the first time to be looking more than comfortable at Premier League level, I- incredible. He's just honestly, he's been so good. And I actually felt the last couple of games, he's been carrying Hoiberg through the games a little bit. When at the start of the season, it might have been a bit more the other way around, but absolutely brilliant and um i don't know what kind of contract he's on but give him a long-term deal because you know he i'm I'm quite surprised that there's not any talk of him getting an england squad at the moment if i'm honest i don't think that's getting carried away um i think his performances have been that good he's on a three-year contract which he signed in july 2020 so 20 to 21 last season was one this is the second year so he's on three with an option of a fourth so he's pretty much halfway through at the end of this season Give him a new, give him a new deal. Do you know what I mean? Sign him up. But no, in all, in all seriousness, he was, um, he was very, very good. And like Stato um, actually sent me a tweet um, after the game because I think um, I put something out saying like it was another brilliant performance from him. And he was saying it was against Norwich, a team that he stood out in last season. So it's like, yeah, like grand scheme of things, it's, it was against Norwich. But he just, he's such a culture player, and I just, I love watching him play. And you know what he is as a supporter, he. And the game is about way more than this, but he gets stuck in. Do you know what I mean? He does like, he launches himself into tackles and it's like, as a fan, you can't not get up for stuff like that. So I, I was really, really impressed with him. And then as Chris mentioned, Dyer at the back, um, again, another really, really good performance. And if you weren't at the game and you watched the highlights, you've probably not seen too much of it, but like, he's so good at organising that back three. Um, and like where I sit, I'm in the South Stand, you can hear him. Like he's so loud and he's such a leader on the pitch. And it was another couple of mistakes, but another really, really good performance from him. And it seems like, again, as we said with Davis playing on that left side, like Dyer seems to be coming into his own a little bit, playing in the middle of that back three, which is, which but we, I mean, we all love Dyer, don't we? It's great. To Absolutely. See. I just think, you know, again, like you could have time out, whether it's your off form or the, the way that you're the, the the sort of it's being played um does isn't working you know there's all sorts of things you know at one point i remembered this the other day actually as i was watching delhi do a tiktok with an iron man helmet on i don't know if you've seen that one um i was thinking gosh at one point i thought that um delhi wasn't performing because his friend eric wasn't in the team um you know and just think about it now about how far away the poor old delhi's fallen that, and, and Eric, as you say, always been a leader. And um, and I just think this, this whatever this setup is, it suits him. And, you know, he, you don't forget how to play football. And I know, look, there are always going to be mistakes when you're a centre-half like that because it's a different kind of spotlight. You can't lose the ball in that position like you could in midfield or up front. That's the thing. And our team play football. We play football from back to front. I think what I'm most concerned about, and I saw you um, tweet about this, um, I think it was probably you, Jack, if I got the tone of voice right, from the Echoes account, um, is I'm worried about not giving Larice another contract. Yeah. You know, where are we going to find a, a goalkeeper of Larice's quality, um, you know, in the next six months? And it's not like he's finished. You know, he's got at least two years in him, at least. So I'd give him a four-year contract to tie him up and then keep him on to coach whoever comes next or whatever. I think it's a real it's a real risk not to get, get him a new contract. I mean, the rumours are that progress is being made. 
according to Twitter, ITK, right? So, but I 100% agree. I don't want it to be one year. Just give him two or three years because at worst he can then be a backup player or whatever. Like he doesn't want to leave, so he he doesn't want to leave London. What, what? Yeah, and like the people are talking about Pickford. Like Pickford is oh, not there. No. Yeah, I just I don't get Pickford. You I, just I, think as well, like you look at our squad at the moment, and it it still needs surgery that team, like. Why would you then let your goalkeeper go? You're then creating another, you're creating a major issue at that point. And I think, again, anyone that's listened and knows my stance on Hugo, um, good goalkeeper for me, he's, he's always slightly been outside that elite category. But like in a period of transition that you're in, you need stability from senior players. And it's like, it's an absolute no brainer. Give him a two year deal with a view to a third and worry about a new goalkeeper in two years' time. And it's like, at the minute, the priority is a centre-back and a centre-midfielder. And it's like, if he goes, you've got to spend £40 million at least on getting a keeper in that won't be as good. That he might, that, that you, you'd spend £40 million and the goalie coming in might have potential, maybe, to reach the level that he's at now. And it's like, it's just creating carnage and chaos. You've got, you, did, you then have the captaincy issue to deal with as well, if he went, who becomes captain, because he shouldn't be Kane now. Um so I just think you're creating a load of problems when it's like we've already got enough problems with the squad. Give him a new deal. As ASD said, Loris would be buzzing to stay. Do you know what I mean? He's been well, here long enough. Like, he'd it, be more than happy. Well, the option oh, everyone's talking about is Anana, right? The Ajax keeper who's just come back from his one-year ban for drugs, you know? So, But yeah. his contract ends end of next year, and he's a, de- he's a really decent keeper. So that that is an option, you know? I but just think I, that is. I agree with you. I massive, agree with you. It'd be a massive risk doing something like that. When I'm not saying Unana's not a good goalie, but like if he's conscious out of the end of the season, why not look to go and get him and have both of them? Do you know what I mean? No, no I know. It's, like, it's I, I, I think Hugo's better than you think he is. Uh, we've always said that. I just yeah. We we have not had to worry about a keeper apart from when Lukaku kicked him in the head for six seven years. Or we, have to, we, just... we have to worry. We have to worry about the keeper every now and then when Galini plays, though, don't we? Just... <laughs> he looks. He's a. He's up there with a Gomez for me, Galini. He looks absolutely shocking. Oh man! Imagine him and what's his face, the um, Romanian centre back. Imagine him and Kiri. Oh, we should do a most mental, or maybe mental is not the best term, but you know, we know what I mean. The most unpredictable. Unpredictable yeah. is is the right term. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hugo, I love Hugo. Um, I I'm feeling very. Everyone's feeling very positive. I'm looking like we've got who've we got next? Brighton. They've got seven players out at the moment. Leicester in crisis. We're in a good place. Like, we got Vitesse, I think, on Thursday. Send the kids. Because the the literally the best thing that could happen in terms of football is that we win that competition, and it's nothing to be proud of. There's no glory in that competition, and we win a place in the Europa League, which we'll probably have anyway. Or we might even have a Champions League spot. You know, we might even win the league. And um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, there's no glory. Just send the kids out. I don't understand it. And put the intensity into fourth spot in the FA Cup. And you know, I just, I, I don't, I don't get, I don't get this half-assed team. Um, what do you the think com- of the Conference League? Sorry, just quickly, is such a depressing competition. Honestly, <laughs> it's so bad. And I'd never ever watch Spurs. And want like actually want us to lose a game. Mm. I'm going to the game, the conference game on Thursday. If we get beat and we get knocked out, I can hand on heart say it would not bother me in the slightest. I agree. But I don't want us to lose because that goes against, you know what I mean, being a Spurs fan. But 
it wouldn't bother me if we got knocked out of it, which feels so strange. Oh, no, I never want to lose a game, but you're exactly right. Also, like, it means that if we're playing on a Sunday, we can actually watch it on the telly because that always winds me up. I'm like, oh, it's Sunday at two o'clock. Brilliant. I, I went to look. Not live this week, obviously, because it was um, it was at home. But whenever it was, and obviously I couldn't find it because the reason why we were at home on a Sunday is because we played on a Thursday night. Yeah. So I did as yeah. well. Just just quickly, just going back to the Norwich game because there was obviously a point in that game where you have um, Sessignon, um, Tanganga, Skip, Kane, and obviously we've bought Sessignon, but like a lot of young players like coming through academies, you know, in British academies. And it's like that we've got a lot of young players at Spurs now. And I think it was the Brentford game when Winks come on and you have Winks, Skip, Kane, Tanganga. And it's like, at Spurs Academy, I still don't think gets enough credit for the players that it's bringing through and bringing through into the first team. Because Brentford, to have four players that have all come through your academy in the first team in a Premier League game, is a, that's an incredible achievement. And I just think it's worth talking about that because, you know, in a world at the minute where transfer fees are absolutely insane and you, you have to spend 40 million to maybe get an average player these days like I do think we're doing a really good job bringing these young players through think how much a player like Skip would cost if he was a do you know what I mean if he was a Spanish Italian French German player like you'd get a decent amount of money for him if you were trying to buy him so it's just a shout out really to the academy because the quality of players they're bringing through constantly is, is fantastic yeah yeah sure it is I'm just laughing there, Jack. I just thought of um, what's his face, Sam yes. Allardyce. No, oh. Sam Allardyce. Remember, he said if I was Italian, and if you called me a Ladice, <laughs> I'd be much more well respected in this game. You wouldn't, would you? I mean, a bribe of ten thousand euros is, is still the same. Exactly. Maybe not. Really, though. I still can't believe that happened. I know. I can't believe that happened. It was incredible, wasn't it? To be fair, yeah, they never really... would have appointed. If that hadn't happened, they would never have appointed Gareth Southgate because he was working with the youth team, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So actually, you know, it was a. I think it was a bit of a gift for England, actually, because I think what Southgate's created is both. That's enough. That's a whole other story. But yes, contract for Lloris, please. Yeah. Yeah. And you got me thinking about going out of a tournament but without losing. 2010 World Cup. A team didn't lose a game but didn't win it. Do you remember who it was? I think they drew all three of their group stage games, I think. Don't. It was New Zealand. That's, it's good pub. It's definitely New Zealand. Oh, yes, they did. They, did. they drew everything, didn't they? But they didn't get mm. out of group. That's right. Can I tell you my... Uh, so Oliver Skip, do you know where he's from? He's from Wellington City. Wellington City, yeah. Um, you know my story about the judo thing in Welling? <laughs> So, no, but I can't wait. <laughs> so uh, when I lived in Ealing, I used to get off at Acton and walk home because just to clear my head. And I walked past the dojo in Acton and I was like, oh, what's going on in here? So I went in, they were doing judo. I went back the next day. So I did like two or three, maybe four classes. Then we moved to Welling Garden City, which is the home of Tesco headquarters. Right. So we're there. And I find the we're in Wellington City where Skip's from. And this is, he was probably a young boy then, you know, he was probably a very young man when I was there. But I go into the, the judo thing in the leisure centre there and I do the prison thing. First lesson, go find the biggest guy there. Now, those who don't know me, I'm six foot two. I'm around about 15 stone, you know, not a small person. But this guy was my height, but round. Like you couldn't see me 
if I was standing behind him. And honestly, he threw me around. Like, I've never been thrown around before. Like, just chucked me around. And then I didn't really know, but in those sort of sports, you meant to tap often and tap out, right? Uh, so I'm there on the floor, but I'm, I, I wasn't giving up. And he was squeezing and squeezing. I couldn't breathe. And then my rib snapped in two places. Like, literally oh. snapped. Oh, well, my I'm God. Right, coughing up blood. I'm going, why? Because there's a rib sticking in my lung. Like, literally, I've, you can feel the two break right now. Oliver Skip's dad, where is this going? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's nothing to Oliver Skip, it's just the one in Garden City thing. And I was going, why, why are you so strong? Literally coughing up blood. And he went, oh, I'm the British powerlifting champion. So not only is he a massive bastard and he's a black belt, but he's the strongest man in the UK. Snap my rib. But um, didn't, yeah, give up, that. didn't give up. Didn't give up. My body gave up before I did. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. And that was the thing that, then off the back of that, I started to put on weight because I couldn't run anymore. And then we did Tough Mudder and then we did the Ultra. So um, it's, it's a good period of my life. Anyway, that's my Welling Garden City chat. The ASD tangent of the week. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just... Um, we have got something um, great to talk about, which was half-time of the Brentford game. And there was a cracking guest on the pitch, wasn't there, at half-time? Oh, my Chris. God, I was so nervous. Well, how did that happen? It was absolutely, I loved it standing there watching it. It was so good. <laughs> well, because it was the Rainbow Laces game and we'd like done that lovely bit of content with Ben Davies and, and Helen Richardson Walsh, which I really liked. So, like, you know, props to Ben because he talked to us, then he talked to the Athletic as well, actually, around some stuff, you know. So, it was a really good sort of Ben Davies week. Um, and as you saw, the stadium was a big rainbow, they were fantastic. Um, all the digital hoardings. I, my favourite thing in the world, that rainbow goal flash. I absolutely love it. If you watch any of the um, highlights of Sonny's goal particularly, you can just see it all flying around behind them and everything. It's great. And so as part of that, they wanted to do something on N17 Live and just said, look, look you know, let's talk to you at halftime, talk about rainbow laces, talk about the proud Lily Whites. And we know Ben, I know Ben Haynes quite well, because actually Ben Haynes, when he was, he's... um works at the Player Tribune now, but when he worked at 90min.com, and I think one of them bought the other, so it's the same company, he made one of the first films about the Proud Lily Whites. And I like to call it my love letter to White Hart Lane. If you want to look at it, it's on um, it's on YouTube. So it's just 90min.com, um, Proud Lily Whites. It's about three or four minutes long. And we just filmed all around White Hart Lane. You've got Simon coming down the stairs at the train station, sitting in the we're sitting in the um, in the stadium talking. So I know Ben quite well, actually. And um, so we just had this chat with him. And uh, so I got um, someone came and got me about 10 minutes before halftime. People around me were a little bit alarmed. They were like, where are you going? You never leave at all, ever during a match. I was just like, I'll be back in a minute because I was so nervous. I was just like, I'm not going to tell anyone what I'm doing. And we walked around and what was really great, though, is that obviously you kind of it's obviously not the tunnel because that's a red zone. So, you know, ordinarily, if you were going to do half time in the olden days, you'd come you'd wait by the tunnel and watch the players go in. But it was in the corner of the it's, it was in the southwest corner. So there's like an entrance there. But we just sort of came in there and the cameras are all there and it was a really mad perspective on the pitch, you know, right by Hugo and stuff. And uh, and yeah, they gave us an earpiece and just had a little chat. So yeah, it was really good. It was you know it was an amazing thing to do to be to be pitch side to do it, and it felt like a real honour and a privilege. And you know, tried telling my 
nine-year-old self that that might be the case. It's like it feels. I felt quite emotional as well, to be fair. Yeah, loved it. It was absolutely brilliant, and oh, I wasn't surprised. And you're absolutely great as well. I just loved it. I was there with my dad, and was like, "Chris is on the pitch." Chris is on the pitch. <laughs> it was brilliant. Um, uh, can we can we just say the Ben Davis and Helen Richardson was content? If you haven't seen it, the video is on YouTube. It's on Twitter. Just go search out. Because the thing I love, and the thing I said to you, Chris, was that yeah. it, it's so obvious that Ben is actually interested in this. And then I didn't realise it, but you said. He didn't. He did that off his own back. He didn't. It's not a media obligation. He yeah, because he cares. It's so they have great. to do. You know, as you know, they've all got they've all got X amount contracted where they have to do community stuff. So you know, like they go off and they do the hospital, or they go to a school or whatever. Yeah. They've all got a certain amount they've got to do in there, and that didn't count towards Ben's because he just said, "Actually, I want to do this," which I think you know, all power to him. Frankly, I don't know if that's confidential, but so if you're listening to this, please keep it quiet. No one is listening. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I've got a name the player quiz if you want to have a crack. Oh, yep. Always. I'm, I'm actually both look forward to it, especially ASD. Right. Our first player, he began his career in 2011 with Leon. Um, he played for the B team um, and made 60 appearances to begin with, scoring 15 goals, then moved up to the senior team and made 37 appearances, scoring seven goals. In 2015, he signed for Spurs and he was at Spurs between 2015 and 2017, making just eight appearances and scoring no goals. In 2016 to 2017, he went on loan to Marseille making 22 appearances and scoring four goals. He then signed for Marseille permanently in 2017, where he remained there until 2019, scoring 10 goals in 39 games. And in 2019 to the current day, he's currently at Dynamo Moscow and has scored five goals in 55 games. And he also has 36 international appearances, scoring 10 goals. Can you name that player? Oh, I might, ha I might have you here. Do you know what? No, I think I've got an idea. Got any ideas, ASD? It's gonna say I can see the idea of him. Like I can see myself thinking about this. Do you know what I mean? Like I can. No, I don't know who it is, but I, I've, I've got like exhausted this player in my head. Jack, is it Clinton NG? Oh, it is. It is Clinton NG. Great. Shot. I just tried to think of like someone who's obviously got some kind of French, who's a French speaker. Who didn't really do didn't didn't score any goals for us, did he? No, no goals in eight. But games. he's a goal scorer, so Yeah. He's got thirty-six caps for Cameroon scoring ten goals. Actually the national goal scoring record's not too bad. Uh, I yeah. thought that one might have got you, but uh well played. Um <laughs> this next player began his career at Tottenham Hotspur in two thousand and sixteen. Um, but he's had a number of different loan spells. So he didn't play for Spurs in 2016. He was on loan at Sheffield United 2017 to 2018, scoring one goal in 17 games. Um, That's the first part of the season. The second part of the season, he went to Ipswich Town on loan, again, making 17 appearances, scoring no goals. 2018 to 2019, he went on loan to Swansea City, making 30 appearances and scoring no goals. 2019 to 2020, uh, he went on loan to Stoke City, making 12 appearances and scoring no goals. In 2020, he then went on loan to Luton Town for the second part of the season, scoring no goals in 16 appearances. 
In 2020-2021, he went on loan to Bournemouth, scoring one goal in 21 games. And in 2021 to the current, he's currently on loan at Celtic and he scored two goals in 11 games. He also has eight international appearances, scoring no goals. For America? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Because isn't he from like Brighton? Isn't he a Brighton boy? He's a South Coast boy, isn't he? Cameron Carter Vickers. Yeah. And he's one of those ones where you go, how is he still playing for us? Because, like, we've got respect for him. He's the new new Bongali Kamulu. But why why haven't they just sold him to one of these? I I don't understand. There's clearly no desire to keep him in the club. What what year was that first contract, Jack? When he's 16, he's had seven loan spells. So maybe it's a five-year deal that comes to the end at the end of 2021. I don't know, yeah. but then that would be 2022. And then so, we'll give him a new five-year deal and just keep loaning him uh, out. They must have, so what, they gave him a six-year deal? No, he That's must weird. Because there was a period where he played a little bit. They must have given him a bit of a better contract or something. But Or he, must have, yeah. he might have triggered something, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Certain yeah. league appearances for any club or whatever. Oh, Cameron Carter Vickers had that one. Okay, next one. Um, this oh. player began his career in 2001. And from 2001 to 2004, um, he was at Coventry City, where he made 75 appearances, scoring three goals. He signed for Tottenham Hotspur in 2004, uh, making 15 appearances and scoring one goal. Um, he had a number of loan spells whilst at Spurs, including 2004, um, he was on loan at West Ham, making 10 appearances, scoring no goals. 2005, he was on loan at Southampton, seven appearances, no goals. And the second part of the 2005 season, Norwich City, scoring one goal in 15. In 2007, he moved to West Ham United, scoring one goal in 13 games, and also had loan spells in 2008 at Watford, making just one appearance and scoring no goals. And in 2009 at Sunderland, making eight appearances and scoring no goals. In 2010 to 2012, he then signed for non-league Wooten Blue Cross. And in 2014 to 2015, moved again to non-league Elstow Abbey. So, who is that player? It's hard, this one. I can do those clubs again in order. So, Coventry, Spurs, West Ham. Coventry, Spurs. Is Norwich in there? Yeah, so Coventry Spurs, West Ham on loan, Southampton on loan, Norwich on loan, West Ham permanently, Watford on loan, Sunderland on loan, Wooten Blue Cross permanently, Elstow Abbey permanently. I've got an idea who this is. She's going to get it. Go on, Chris. Any thoughts? No, don't do that. That's embarrassing. Is it Callum Davenport? Oh, what a shout. Oh, my God. What a shout. Callum Davenport. <laughs> Oh, I I've go just I, I've just googled Cameron Carter Vickers, and actually the issue here apparently is that if um, Celtic to make his deal permanent, the initial reports were said that they'd have to pay just under six million, but the price has gone up to ten due to two separate add-ons in the loan agreement. So we're doing all sorts of things in the loan agreements, which means that no one wants no one's going to sign him. If we got 10 million quid for him, that is almost as outrageous but as the 15 million quid we got for Kevin Vimmer. He's only 23 and apparently he's on great form. So from a championship perspective, seven or eight million quid for, you know. Yeah. Might be a good deal. 
it might be. I really thought that Callum Davenport one was going to get you. That's an, that's an annoying, to be honest. Um, I've right, I've got one him. more. He was, he was really lanky, wasn't he, with, like, lovely hair? Right, last one. This player began his career at Tottenham Hotspur um, in 1999. So he was at Tottenham from 99 to 2006, but again with a number of different loan spells. For Tottenham, he made 20 appearances, scoring one goal. He had loan spells in 2002 at Swindon Town. 13 appearances, one goal. In 2003, Colchester United, eight appearances, no goals. In 2003, again, Coventry City, uh, five appearances, two goals. In 2004 to 2005, Watford, 15 appearances, no goals. Uh, at 2005, again, Derby County, six appearances and no goals. He then moved permanently, 2006 to 2009, to Colchester United, scoring 13 goals in 107 games. 2009 to 2010, he moved to Notts County making 24 appearances and scoring two goals. Um, in 2010, he moved back on loan to Charlton, um, four appearances, uh, no goals. And then he moved to Charlton permanently, 2010 to 2018, made 243 appearances, scoring 51 goals. I know who this is now. With Charlton. Well, I think I know who it is with Charlton. Is it Johnny Jackson? Johnny Jackson. Johnny Jackson. Current caretaker manager as well, I think. If yeah. He's still there. Johnny Jackson, who's from Hoburn and is from a family of gooners. Because I met his cousin once. He changed some locks in my office. <laughs> is there anyone you don't know, Chris? <laughs> like, I don't know Johnny Jackson. Players. I know his cousin. Very good really, locksmith. If you ever need a locksmith, I couldn't recommend this guy enough. Like, really, really good guy. I'm, I'm disappointed you didn't have a, an obscure Clinton and G story about no, your sorry, no Clinton and G story. agents or whatever. Sad um, times. There you go. I mean, Chris well, has well, outrageous knowledge this week. Jack, I'm going to give you four now because it's annoying me, this. So I'm going to give you four, all right? Lucky me. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tip that. Uh, number one, 1990 to 1992, Portsmouth, 62 appearances, seven goals. This is the easy one. I'm giving you a little tickler. 92 to 2004, he's with Tottenham Hotspur, 299 appearances, 34 goals. Then he moved to Birmingham City in 2004, was there for a year, 20 appearances, three goals. 2005-06, he was at Wolves, 24 games, one goal. And then 2006 to 2008, Bournemouth, 66 appearances, 12 goals and 30 appearances for the national team. When, what, was the first, what was the first club in the years again? Portsmouth, 1990 to 1992. 90 to 92, Portsmouth and then to Spurs. I mean, if you're not getting this one... The next ones are going to be quite difficult. I don't know that one. I mean, that was. Yeah, you do. Well, you're going to kick you really yourself. Don't. You're really going to kick yourself. How many? He, how many cats? Maybe this will help, Jack. Thirteen cats. Thirty. You would. I'm ninety-nine percent sure you will have watched him. I mean, yeah, he was there for twelve years. Portsmouth, Spurs. Where after Spurs? Spurs, Birmingham City, Wolves, Bournemouth. Was it Steve Carr? No. Paris Island, didn't it? I don't know that one. Yeah, you do. Darren Anderson. Darren Anderson. Darren Anderson. Oh, yeah. Darren it's not as easy, is it? It's not as to easy. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I love Number it. Number two. <laughs> he started in his youth career at Anyang Middle School. Oh, got it. Then he... Go on. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. That'd be I, I reckon you could get it from that. Uh, his first. What year was that though? That was in, I mean, 1990. But he started his professional career in 2000, 2002, where he went to Anyang LG Cheaters, 60 appearances, three goals. Then he moved to PSV Eindhoven, 
in 2003, where he made 81 appearances over two years. Then against Tottenham Hotspur, 2005 to 2008. Then in 2008, he left to go to Borussia Dortmund for a year. And then in 2009, he went to Al-Hilal for two years, 46 appearances. And then in 2012, he moved to Vancouver Whitecaps for a year. Now this, given the first uh, team, it's, it's yeah. got to be someone, what, Korean? Yeah, South Korean. So who was Korean? What year was he? Oh, Lee Young-pyo. There Lee you Young-pyo. go, that's it. I couldn't remember him. The Dortmund thing threw me. I was thinking, who left and went to Dortmund for a year? But Dortmund no. weren't the powerhouse as such, were they, back Not then? Not as much, no. Right foot, I've left got back. one young Lee Young-pyo story. we went um went to the training ground back in whenever it was 2004 maybe so martin the old days and um we had a shirt that he was being um that people were signing and he was there with his marker and he was like make it strong and i was like i don't know what he's saying and what we say was make it strong and what he meant was because it was remember those thompson shirts yeah Yeah. they were so stretchy you had to really pull it (laughs) So in order to sign it, because you couldn't like get a proper purchase on it. So he was just there going, make it strong. And I didn't know what he meant. And then we pulled it all together and he signed it. I've still got that shirt somewhere. It was the away one, the light blue one. He was in a documentary, a reality documentary show called Law of the Jungle, where he got sent to Palawan to survive uh, last year. And he's also this year in a TV show called The Girls Who Hit the Goal and Golden Eleven Two as a consultant. So that's interesting. Right, two more. Nineteen. This is well, I think you can get this. Nineteen eighty-eight to two thousand. He's played for Wimbledon. One hundred and eighty-one appearances over those twelve years. And he went to Palace on loan in ninety-two. In the middle of that, then for two thousand to two thousand three, he played sixty-four appearances for Tottenham Hotspur. And then he went to Chelsea for two thousand three. Go on. Neil Sullivan. Neil Sullivan. Yeah, Wimbledon, Spurs, Chelsea, Leeds, Doncaster Rovers on loan. Doncaster he was Rovers permanently. A brilliant goalkeeper, Neil mm. Sullivan. He really was. And when he went to Chelsea, I couldn't believe it. What were we thinking when we bought Ben Thatcher? Do you think? <laughs> I don't <laughs> think was it was that? worth it. I Who don't think it was worth it. Who thing. bought Ben Thatcher? Do you remember that horrendous challenge when he was at City that he did on Pedro Mendes? It was that a portrait on the elbow. Oh, yeah. that's still watching that now. Like that, oh, that's just... And it was only a booking. All right, last one. This might be a little bit of a tricky one. So 97 to 2003, played for Tottenham Hotspur. So in those six years, he only made 91 appearances. But he was in our youth academy from 94 to 97. So 97 to 2003, Tottenham Hotspur, 91 appearances, two goals. 2003 to 2007, Birmingham City, 121 appearances, eight goals. 2007 to 2010, Leicester City, 31 appearances, two goals. That's it. And he was caretaker manager at Sheffield Wednesday in 2019. When did he finish playing, ASD? Then in 2010. Spurs to Birmingham, I'll tell you who that is. Go on. Stephen Clements. It is Steve. Oh, yeah. What a shout. Isn't he on a, he was on a coaching staff at Newcastle, wasn't Newcastle. he? Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Where did the... you say he was now? No, I have shut the window. 
I think it, mm. it's probably not doing anything now because he was he was coach because at Newcastle when they had Steve Bruce, all the backroom staff were called Steve as well, weren't they? There was a thing going around like it. six out of seven of them were all called Steve. It was like it. Steve Harper was the goalkeeping coach. It's amazing. Um, so Ben Thatcher, no prizes for guessing who bought him of our managers. When George, did we start him? George, George Graham. Graham. So he was, was he, he wasn't in the cup winning squad, was he? Or did he nick a substitute? Oh, I don't know. That, I mean, that's a crime if Ben Thatcher won a trophy, isn't it? Absolute crime to football. There we go. I love those quizzes. I think they're great fun. I'm very happy to do to do them and not be on the other end of them, but I'm, <laughs> I'm actually quite enjoying them as well. Apparently, um, Stephen Clements was married to former Brookside actress Suzanne Collins. I didn't know. Who what who did she play? She played uh Nikki Shadwick. I was obviously after my time. I never really oh god, yeah, never mind. Um actually, if you have much um have you had much coming in in terms of the emails from all the celebs? I have I have, you know, and um, <laughs> all family the um all family can't stop. Can't stop it with all that. That's really, and I'm not a royalist anyway, so it's been really irritating. I just block them. I don't mind Harry, but the rest of them I could do without. But the interesting one is Tom Holland at the moment because he's the one who's in his who's, who's, uh, connection with Sonny, right? Because that's why Sonny's doing the Spider Man. And so if Spurs players were superheroes, who would you have? So let's go Superman. And you're going to go skip, definitely. Superman. Um... Yeah. Who would Galini be? <laughs> the green one. The Hulk. The green goblin. No. The, the, um, not the Hulk. I'm not Wait, very I'm not very good with superheroes. Just on a slight side note, I want to see MTV Cribs Galini. Like his house would be absolutely. Oh, I just really want to see that. How good was 90s, like, oh no, 2000s? Because Pit My Ride was amazing with Exhibit. That was crazy. And if you look up, there's some great articles about people about, like, they had to sign, they weren't allowed to sell their car, but all the cars weren't functional. So it was still old crap car and all that. But then Cribs was amazing because you had somewhere, I think they did the Yin Yang twins. And, like, the house was obviously not theirs because they all just went out and rented houses to make it. And they went through a house and it was, like, a nautical thing. And they just didn't know what was in any of the rooms. But my favourite one, you flip it, like, you go Red Man, who is just in his flat. Like, the room's a tip. He's got his, I think it's a Dreamcast. And he's like, this is just my house. All I do is make beats and sleep. And he, it was amazing. The same with the Wu-Tang one. It's just, that is what they actually lived like. It was brilliant. Simpler times, I think, back then. Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to find this thing, this tweet I saw earlier about the things that have changed, um, the things that have changed at Spurs in the last, the three things that have low-key turned our season around. From uh, what's his face? Lucas yeah. Moura to Bergwijn. What was that is, one? I didn't understand that one. That was because when when that, that substitution happened, the whole place booed. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that's it. And that's Second was Tom Holland. Yeah. The third was the snow in Burnley. And as yeah. I was looking for that, what I then found was an Oliver Skip song. I don't know the tune, 
But it says we've got a diamond from St Albans. He plays in midfield at White Hart Lane. Next year he's going to play for England. Ollie Skip is getting on the plane. He plays in white and blue and Conte loves him too. Ollie Skip is Tottenham through and through. Now I don't know the tune. No, I don't know. I think Jack might learn it. He, 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 actually, I, I wrote that, those lyrics. <laughs> he needs, he's at the point now, he needs, but quite a few players in the side actually haven't got a song. Well, like, we of songs for, for, when was the last time we came up with a good new song? Roden, Roden, Roden. <laughs> but think about it, like, Tanganga hasn't, Son. Sanchez doesn't, Davis, Regulon, Hoyberg, Skip, Lucas, seven of the starters. Yeah. I mean, Hugo's one is just us shouting his name at him. It's hardly a song. The, yeah. the Kane one was like when, in reaction to when he, he was breaking through and he, there's one picture going around of him in an Arsenal shirt. Like, we're, we're beyond that now. I think he's proved himself. Well, actually, having but, said that, the Davinson Sanchez one at the weekend was great. Davinson Sanchez, he scores when he wants, was brilliant. <laughs> like, that was excellent. We do need to come up with some more. So, um, yeah, there we go. I just think it's, it's very, I think that's very indicative. It's really indicative of the fact that we've all slightly fallen out of love with yeah. what Spurs have done to us in the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, because I can't think of a, a song that's come for any player since we sacked Pochettino. Mm. But the, the ground doesn't really, because it's so laid back and open and big. It's You're not with like a group of people who are just there to just sing and have a good time. It's, it's, it's not meant for that sort of atmosphere either, I don't feel. Maybe we need to start some. Echoes of glory. We'll have our own section in the South Stand soon. We'll have <laughs> following. And, you know, we'll have yeah. our banners. Everyone will be there in their T-shirts. <laughs> so happy there we go. Um, any other business before we finish this week? I just want to say that you probably... Um, I'm delighted that Echoes of Glory have signed up to be a proud Lily White's Pride champion. So... Just so people know what it is, what we've decided to do for the Proud Lily Whites is to sign up various um, fan groups from all over the country and all over the world and key podcasts to be Proud Lily Whites Proud Champions. From a fan group perspective, it just means that wherever our members go all over the country and all over the world and they want to watch Spurs, they know they've got a safe and welcoming place to watch Spurs. And equally, if any members from over the country and over the world want to come and watch Spurs with us or join in with something they can, we can amplify campaigns together do stuff etc from a podcast perspective it's just about having different spaces to talk about our campaigns talk about the work we do etc which I know we do on here anyway which was another reason why it was really obvious it was kind of an obvious one for us to make sure that um that the echoes signed up but it's exciting because loads of you know we got loads of traction on social media like from all over the world you know like, like literally from from Buenos Aires to Baltimore were, have been in touch and and you know South Dorset and South Yorkshire and other places in the country which are in in the UK which is brilliant so really excited about that going to make our little WhatsApp group we're going to do some toolkits and some stuff to kind of you know allow people to kind of be great allies and great champions of of the LGBTQ plus community and I'm really excited to to take it forward great brilliant and we're absolutely like, buzzing and thrilled and it's our pleasure to be involved in it. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I, like, it's just about letting people be part of it and just giving a safe space. It's, that's all it is. It's nothing more than that. I, I, yeah. Well, obviously it's more than that, but it's, that's uh, a basic term. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
You were going to say something there, Steve. You opened, you opened your mouth. And yeah, then it's not important. It's nothing to do with football. The Formula One is amazing at the moment. If you're not watching it, next the, the race on Sunday, it's the last race of the season. The two championship rivals, Lewis, going for his eighth championship, the most of that anyone will ever have um, against Verstappen. The young upstart, they're both equal on points. No one knows what's going to happen. It is incredible. It's the most dramatic story in sports in years. Since Leicester, I think. It's incredible. Done. That's I don't it. understand it. I'd love. I'll tell you what, Chris. Maybe I'll, you could give I'll me a, like a, a crash course in it or something. Have you watched the Netflix thing? Because it's actually pretty good. Because I remember saying to somebody once who was a Formula One fan, but I mean, this is like 25 years ago, yeah. that I might as well just stand on a bridge over the M1 and watch the cars go by. Uh, and I appreciate that that's, you know, <laughs> apologies to all Formula One fans, because obviously it's much more, the whole thing is about like small margins and like what the tyre does and this thing here and that thing there. But I just don't get it. It's, I mean, yeah, I, we, we, it's just brilliant. It's, there's so much. So what's the Netflix thing? There. What's the Netflix uh, thing? Drive to Survive. It's a th- where it's 10 episodes where they go through the seasons go through last season and they focus it's more on the human stories behind it and a little bit on the racing but you get to see why the racing is exciting but if okay. you like it just get through just watch that for that series and you just realize the differences between the teams and how everything interacts with each other and it just it, it's a very exciting sport and it's getting more exciting because it's they're make, trying to make it more equal but i'm going to stop talking because jack doesn't like it if we're talking about cricket he's bloody bloody loving it oh who doesn't love I'm cricket? Not posh, me i don't love cricket. i don't love cricket early mornings watching England get absolutely walloped down. I don't like cricket. No. Don't Austra- right. Australia just cheats, aren't they? Don't they just sandpaper on the balls and all that? We Boy. are going to get absolutely annihilated. Don't you say we. Nothing's doing me. They never no. call it the England of Wales. Classic, isn't it? Classic. Just because we haven't mentioned Ben Davis for 10 minutes, he's uh, kicking off, isn't he? Um, he'll give him 7 out of 10. <laughs> he did manage to get Joe Roden in, though, even though there's really no need to talk about him yeah. at all. <laughs> we should start well, playing that Spurs, Spurs and Welsh players bingo each week with ASD, and we'll see uh, see how that goes. <laughs> Mate, when there's no Welsh players anymore, I'm, so, I'm, not, I'm not coming on the podcast. Just... I mean, yeah. <laughs> 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 cool. Um, look, always a pleasure seeing both of you. Um, thank you everybody for listening and uh, remember whatever happens this week. Future's bright, future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain, and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. 
We are the hat trick, the scissor kick, we are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future, what was, what is, what's next. We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.